Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Got such a full room all the way back behind the, the little overhang. This is exciting. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We'll amen too. <laughs> we'll do all that. Well, I'm excited to get to share God's word today. My name is John Sharp. My wife's name's Christy. She actually works at our Salem campus. Uh, she's our admin for our Unlimited Ministries, which is our ministry for people and families with disabilities. And we actually have a golf tournament coming up, and attached to that is a auction where we have tons of really cool stuff. Check online through Facebook and be sure to, to bid on your favorite thing and support our Unlimited Ministry. Uh, we've had some excitement in our family here the last six weeks. Our life has radically changed. I didn't know it would affect me this much. Um, you know, when you have your own kids, obviously you lose sleep and just, you know, money flies out the window and the door and the car window and everything else. I had no idea the same thing, minus the sleep, uh, happens when you have your first grandchild or when you have grandchildren. But that happened for us about five or how many, six weeks ago now? So yeah, six weeks ago. Uh, Callum Reed Bishop was born into our family and uh, first grand, grandchild for us, grandson, and we've been so excited. I, my favorite part is, now Christy not so much, she still does it all, but my favorite part is to get all the smiles and the snuggles and stuff. After about 90 seconds of fuss, just hand them back. I just, I don't have what it takes. And I acknowledge, I admit, my wife still does, women have it for some reason, so I just give it back. Uh, I'll change wet diapers. I prefer not to do the stinkers, but, uh, it, you know, in crisis, in case of an emergency, I'm equipped for every good work the Lord has prepared in advance for us to do. So I will jump in and, and be about that as well. well. We are in this series about the storms of life. They come. The scriptures tell us not to even be surprised that we are to find joy when they come. And we'll share a little bit about more about that in a second. But... Um, let me just ask you a couple of questions. Whenever storms come into your life, what's your first reaction? Do you freak out? Do you, do you jump into Bob the Builder mode? You know Bob the Builder, right? Can we fix it? Bob the Builder? Yes, we can. All right. I don't know if kids still watch Bob the Builder anymore, but that's what my kids watch. Uh, I hated Barney. We tried not to do the purple dinosaur as much as possible, um, and Bob the Builder was pretty good. Some people, some people, you know, just like freak out and go into hysterics. Um, some people uh, begin to check out all the resources they can find to fix it. And in this series, we're talking about what, what happens and what do we do and how do we respond and how, how is God working and what does God want to do in and through the storms of life. Last week, Pastor Allen shared a, an amazing message from Matthew. I loved that, that uh, passage and that, and that message he shared. And just the three points for us. If you missed last week, you need to hear these three points. Um, well, first, before this, the first point, he, he made a statement that really hit me. He said, following Jesus led them into a storm. It was the storm, it was the message on Jesus being asleep in the boat and the disciples freaking out, thinking they were about to die and sink. And they woke Jesus up, freaking out, and he calmed the storm. And, oh, ye of little faith. Well, point number one was, Jesus is not surprised by the storms we face. I love that, that nothing takes him off guard, nothing surprises Jesus. When Jesus led the disciples to that boat to go out into the Sea of Galilee, he knew in advance that there was a storm coming. 
Jesus is not surprised by the storms we face. Number two, Pastor Alan Shedd shared, Jesus hears us in our distress. Praise God that Jesus hears our cries. And number three, Jesus has power over the outcome. Jesus has power over the outcome. And so when you think about how do you approach the storms of life, I think those are crucial things that we must remember. Number one, that storms never take God by surprise, that when you're following Jesus, Jesus is with you in a storm because nothing takes him off guard or by surprise, and that he hears us in our distress, and he has power to change the situation or to work in the situation or to work through the situation. And we don't know how he's going to act and act and move, and so we must turn to him. But, but here is kind of the springboard into today's message, which is from Acts chapter 16, called Storms Bring Forth Fruit. And, and if you don't remember too many other things from today, I want you just to remember this. God desires for the storms of life to make us holy and to bring him glory. You get that? Those are are God's primary purposes for storms in life, to make us holy and to bring him glory. So many times we, as Christians, maybe before you're a Christian, you decide, man, I want to become a Christian because when you become a Christian, life is easier. And that, that is not true. As a matter of fact, it couldn't be further from the truth. As a matter of fact, if you go into scriptures and you look at the life of the, the closest followers, the disciples, the apostles of Christ, most of them were persecuted and many to the point of death. As a matter of fact, only one of the disciples that, that we read of in scripture was not, was not murdered, killed for his, their faith in following Jesus So storms of life are going to come, and God's main priority is not to make us comfortable through the storm. It's not to remove the the pain necessarily. It's to work and move through the storm and through the pain and do something in us and through us to bring him glory. The Bible tells us in Romans 11.36, For from him, God, and through him, God, and to him, are all things to him be glory forever nothing takes him by surprise and remember jesus said or god god tells you and me to be holy as i am holy that's god's ultimate desire he's not he's not so much concerned about our happiness as he is our holiness god isn't as concerned about our happiness as he is our holiness you see for one day we will see Jesus in all his glory. One day, when we finish this journey here in life, walking uh, a set-apart life, striving to be sanctified or made more and more and more like Jesus every single day, one day, when we breathe our last breath here on this planet, or he busts through the crowds to take us back with him, one day, we're going to be glorified. We're going to be made just like Jesus, holy as he is. And we will live in his splendor forever in that place called heaven where there is is no more sin, there's no more suffering, there's no more shame and tears and sorrows and sadness. None of those things have a place in heaven. They cannot exist there. As a matter of fact, that's why sinners can't enter into, into his glory. Because God can't allow any sin or any guilt or any shame or any sorrow or sadness or sickness or imperfection into his glory perfect glory 
And the Bible tells us that we're all messed up, and we all have those other things in our life, sickness and shame and guilt and sorrow. And that's why he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross to take the punishment and the penalty for our sin. So, the storms in life. Jesus calmed the storm last week. This week, storms bring forth fruit. So if you have your scriptures, turn to Acts chapter 16 with me. Now, I'm not going to uh, make it as easy on you as Pastor Allen usually does. He puts all the verses and all the extra verses on the screen. He puts every phrase and every statement. He draws nifty little pictures, and that's about as nifty as the picture gets for me. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I, only my main three points are going to be on the screen and the Acts chapter 16 uh, main portions, just the, the phrases from Scripture. And now I'm going to make you turn in your Bible or in your Bible app to all the supporting passages. So be ready to go. Be ready to place your thumb or your finger in Scripture. Uh, maybe you want to highlight or underline uh, a couple of verses that God speaks to you. That's okay. Um, this in itself is just, you know, paper. It's just uh, human printed, but in it is the Word of God. God wants us to hide it in our hearts so that we may not sin against Him. Amen? So if it helps you remember, if it helps you key in as you flip through, man, highlight, underline, whatever the case might be. So, Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 25, a little, a little background. So, Paul and Silas are on a missionary journey. They, if you uh, turn back to 15, they have been greeted by uh, other believers. They are here to strengthen the church. They write, uh, they've written a letter to the Gentile believers. In verse 16, Paul selects Timothy, sends out uh, the evangelization of Europe is beginning. Uh, Lydia is converted. And we get to our passage of scripture uh, in verse 16. Uh, Paul and Silas, as they are coming towards the, the temple for the time of prayer, this demon-possessed girl comes to them, and she starts uh, shouting, and, you know, I can't imagine all the things that a demon-possessed person does, probably spitting and everything else, but she starts to pronounce and proclaim the God of the universe that empowers and lives inside of these two men. This is in verse 16. Once as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit of prediction. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune-telling as she followed Paul and us. She cried out, These men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the slaves of the Most High God. And she did this for many days. I'm going to um, press the time out. We can't read every single verse in this whole passage, although it's so good. Um, Paul and Silas, Scripture basically says after several days of this happening, as Paul and Silas were attempting to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, that they got aggravated by this evil spirit acting through this young lady. And so in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, Paul cast this demon out of this young lady. Now, as you can imagine, the crowds, again, see this miracle take place. They knew this woman to be possessed by a spirit and to be a, a predictor, and these men used her to become very wealthy. Well, the people had to be jaw-dropped, but can you imagine what the, the, the owners of this young girl, the, the managers of this young girl uh, felt? They were ticked off. They were hot. As a matter of fact, they immediately went to the local government to make a citizen's arrest on Paul and Silas because they just ended their profit 
they just ended the business uh, with this young lady. And so Paul and Silas are beat, and they are uh, arrested, and they are put in chains. And that's where we pick up the story. A mob has even jumped in and attacked them and, and, um, and beat them and stripped them of their clothes. So in verse 25, we, we pick the story up. They're in chains in a prison. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake, and the foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailers woke up, saw the doors of the prison open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself, since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, Don't harm yourself, because all of us are here. Then the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the message of the Lord to him, along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had believed God with his entire household. This is a, a pretty crazy story you have here. You, uh, you see P Paul and Silas proclaim and perform a miracle in the name of Jesus. You see a woman freed of a spirit, an evil spirit in her life. Uh, as a matter of fact, doesn't it kind of remind you of the purpose that Jesus came to fulfill? Jesus came to free us from the spirit of sin and darkness unto eternal life. And, and this is Peter, excuse me, this is Paul and Silas were taken up and beaten and arrested and, and persecuted for that. Jesus was too. What does that tell us, brothers and sisters? If we're going to be about the work of God, if we're going to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit every single day and what he is doing in and through us and what he's calling us to, life is not going to always be easy. As a matter of fact, life is, is going to get difficult. Have you heard the story of the, the baker in, I think it's Utah, but don't quote me on that, who years and years ago, it's been over 10 years by now, I believe, um, he was a, a firm, a solid believer, uh, solid with his faith, and he had strong convictions on uh, living out his faith and specifically taking stands on things like what is the biblical view of marriage, that in the word of God we find that marriage is between one man and one woman for one life. And then someone decided that they didn't like his biblical view on life, and so they came and asked him to make a wedding cake celebrating a, a homosexual marriage. And he, he wasn't rude or he wasn't mean to them or he didn't speak to them disparagingly, but he shared, I'm sorry, I, I personally can't make that cake with that writing on it because it would be as if I am endorsing uh, this nuptial, and, and I personally can't do that, but I'm sure many people would, so blessings to you guys. Well, anyway, you probably know the story. A lawsuit was brought about. Um, he was fined 
hundreds of thousands of dollars, if I remember correctly, but it continued to escalate all the way to the Supreme Court, and he won that verdict. I don't know if you've heard, but he is in the middle of another lawsuit because someone came to him recently, or in the last couple of years, and asked again for him to decorate a cake celebrating a, a gender transition. Well, he believes that, that God is the one that created man and woman, and that he determines those things. And so he couldn't uh, put his seal of endorsement by writing that on a cake. And he's in the middle again of hundreds of thousands of dollars of legal fees and lawsuits. I say all that to say, Paul and Silas, I don't believe, uh, invited trouble upon themselves, just like the baker didn't invite that, that trouble. Uh, just like you and I, don't invite trouble, don't invite trial, don't invite persecution or challenge in our life, but they are going to come. Number one, if you want to um, just take some notes in your notebook, you can also download a, an outline from our, our, our website. But the first thing we see here, storms are for your growth. Storms are for your growth. I love in verse 25, all this has happened. They, the mob has joined in, attacked them. The chief magistrates had their clothes stripped off, and they were ordered beaten with rods, inflicted with many blows, thrown into jail. Um, they were secured and guarded by the jailer. And in verse 25, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. That, that brings about a lot of different reactions from me. Um, number one, uh, I love the way that in spite of this difficult trial or situation that uh, they're giving their focus and their attention to glorifying God and praising Him and communicating with Him through prayer. I don't know what they were praying. I don't know what they were asking of God. But we do know that the Spirit of God intercedes for us on our behalf even when we don't have words to say. Did you know that? That you have, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you've placed your faith and your trust in him and you've been born again. You have received the seal of the Holy Spirit onto and into your life. And the Holy Spirit acts as, a, as an, an intercessor, an interpreter before God's throne. It says, scripture tells us when we don't have the words to pray that the spirit groans in, in utterances or a language unintelligible to us before the throne of God, praying prayers that, that we don't even know how to voice. That's one of, the, one of the great aspects of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so I, I love that they're going before God's throne with prayer and with praise. My second instinct is, uh, wow, the older I get, the earlier I like to go to bed. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, what's your, what's your favorite midnight activity? I mean, sometimes I make it till midnight on, you know, the 31st uh, to see the new year in on the 1st. Uh, we might watch the ball drop. Um, when our kids were younger, we used to bump the clock way forward early so that by like 9 o'clock we would celebrate midnight. Maybe not 9 o'clock, but uh, pretty early, you know, and we'd kind of trick them. Uh, I'm sorry, Lord, for doing that to my kids. <laughs> and we would go on to bed, you know, when we wanted to go to bed. Uh, I, I've heard, we haven't gotten quite to this place yet, but I've heard some that record the whole ball drop thing on their, 
you know, their DVR, and then they wake up the next morning and they celebrate and watch the ball drop. You know us old people, we go to bed at like 9 o'clock, and then about 5 o'clock we can't sleep anymore. Well, I'm not that, to be honest with you. I do like to go to bed early, but I like to sleep late too. But when I think about this storm, and when I think about the midnight hour, I am I'm convicted, and I'm challenged, and I'm encouraged that, that I have access, direct access to God's throne of grace to go before him in prayer, communicating, and to go before him praising the God of the universe. Storms are for your growth. James 1, so as a matter of fact, put your finger here and flip over to, uh, to James chapter 1 really quick. Maybe this will be a verse you'd like to underline. I bet Robert shared it two weeks ago. I didn't hear Robert Krause's message. I think uh, Pastor Allen referenced it last week. You'll probably hear it uh, through the rest of this series. But James chapter 1 in verse 22, God tells us this. Consider it a great joy, brothers and sisters, when you experience various trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly. And it will be given to you. Now, about you, but my first reaction when a trial, when a storm comes, is not necessarily to consider it pure joy, to consider it great joy when I've experienced trials of various kinds. Sometimes it ticks me off, just to be honest with you. You know, when I um, don't have enough to do what I need to do, whether it be resources or building supplies or whatever, you know, ticks me off. But uh, trials in life can affect us in so many different ways. And God tells us, here's... Here's the reaction we should have. Consider it joy when you face a trial of various kinds. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, or some versions say perseverance. And ultimately, when we continue to walk through these tests and trials that God allows in our life, he builds endurance, he builds perseverance, until ultimately it says that endurance will have its full effect and we will be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Parents, I want to challenge you to, to encourage and help your children and your teens walk through trials in a godly way, asking the right questions, um, responding in the right context so that when the trials become more and more difficult, more and more challenging, more and more deep, they will, they will be spiritual minded rather than worldly minded, right? When we have a, a lack of of resources financially in a situation. There's never a lack of commercials on TV telling us we can get a loan here, we can get a credit card there, um, we can go to a, a lender, we can go to the, the, the cash it now payday in advance and for 80% interest, uh, we'll give you your money in advance. You know, the world offers plenty of solutions and suggestions. I'm not advocating against home loans or anything like that, but I think first we need to turn to God and, and seek his face 
in prayer and through worship. So storms are for your growth. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What do you think that did for their psyche, for their uh, mentality during that moment? They're sitting in a prison. Their, their backs are bleeding and bloodied and bruised because of the beating that they've taken. They're probably chained up by a jailer, and yet they're talking to God. Probably asking him for uh, his kingdom come and will to be done. That if it's his will that deliverance happens, um, that he would provide. Maybe he's praying for everyone else around them and he's not praying for him at all. Hmm. Maybe that would be getting closer to what God might be wanting to do. So storms are for your growth. Number two, not only are storms for you, storms are for those around you. I love the progression of how God uses storms in our life. God uses storms to grow us and stretch us and produce, and produce perseverance and endurance in our life. But God can also use storms in our life for the benefit of those around us. Verse 25, at midnight they were praying and singing hymns to God, and look what happens. And the prisoners were listening to them. The prisoners were taking in all that was happening and then the earthquake happened. The violent shaking of the ground and the cells, jail cells happened. And the doors opened up. And everyone was free to run out into the dark of night. But look what happened here. The jailer was about to fall on his sword. In verse 28, Paul called out in a loud voice, Don't harm yourself because all of us are here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Verse 30, and then he escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Storms are not only for your growth, but storms can also be for those around you. I love the echoes of Jesus. In, those in these phrases when they ask, sirs, what must we do to be saved? People are coming to Jesus uh, every day and asking Jesus, what must I do to be saved? And that's what Jesus was there for, right? The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. He says, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was what Jesus was all about. And if God wants us ultimately to become more and more and more like Jesus every single day, what will you and I be about every single day too? The same exact thing. Looking for opportunities to share the good news. Looking for opportunities to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Looking for opportunities to pray for those in need. To share a word, a testimony of God's goodness and God's faithfulness in our life and what he's done for us. That was God's purpose in this instance and this storm was yes for the people that were being persecuted Paul and Barnabas but also the prisoners and the jailer as well I've, I've preached and shared this story before but some of you may not have heard it I was on a mission trip to Zambia some years ago and our church goes all over the world uh, sharing the good news on mission locally globally we have a church planter you might not remember one of our previous worship leaders here at Southwest and then at Salem moved to Pittsburgh, Wes and Lexi Weinbarger, and they're planting a church. And, and I love seeing monthly their stories and how God's working and people coming to know the Lord, and it's just exciting. They found a church that was uh, 
just all but shut down. Uh, it was a, either a Methodist or a Presbyterian, I believe. And um, Wes just happened to be walking, one, walking by one day with his family, taking a stroll, and saw a couple cars in the parking lot. And the Spirit of God said, hey, you need to go in there. And so he walked in and uh, struck up a conversation, and, and they're letting them use it. And ultimately, it was a gospel expression of a local church in this community that's hurting and in need and, and mainly lost. So anyway, back to my story. I was in Zambia, and we heard about a witch doctor in this village that was sick and on his deathbed and asking for us. And so we came, and he was, uh, he was in really bad shape. I've never seen so, somebody in such bad shape as this man laying on a mat in the dirt with flies on him. And, I mean, I, I was expecting him to take his last breath at any second. And we were asked to pray over him and ask God to heal him. And so we did. We prayed, asked God for a miracle, asked God to, to heal this man, and that ultimately uh, that it would point people to the glory of God. And we left, and before we were departing from Zambia, we got word that he'd made a turn for the better, and God did heal him. And as a result, this man burned all his phylacteries and all his witchcraft symbols, and he turned to the Lord. And those that followed him as well forsook the ways of, of, of Satan and started receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ. The man lived about another year. And he got sick again, and uh, word came to us that he was hoping to make it long enough so that we could be there to perform his funeral. And God gave him the grace to allow us to make it in time to perform a, a funeral in Zambia for this once witch doctor turned follower of Jesus. What an example of an opportunity for God to use a, a, a strange, weird, awkward, um, resentful person and situation to point people to his glory. You see, storms are not only for our growth, but storms are also for those around us. I love this quote by the author, pastor, Kenneth Gangle. He says, God's intent on this occasion, talking about Acts 16, was not the physical deliverance of his servant, talking about Paul and Barnabas, but the spirit, but the spiritual deliverance of the jailer and his family. He was more concerned about the spiritual life of the jailer and his family and the other prisoners in the jail than he was the comfort comfort of Paul and Silas in prison. I love the story as well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You may be familiar, Israel had been rebellious and, and Babylon had come in and conquered, carried them off into exile. King Nebuchadnezzar reigned on his throne as the, the, the great high king and Nebuchadnezzar decided that everyone needed to bow down and worship him and no, no other image but his. And so he made this image and, and decreed that uh, at the, the trumpet sound, everyone in the kingdom would bow and worship him. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, refused to do so. Brought in to the king, given one more chance. You can bow down and you can worship me or you can face a fiery furnace. Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we will never bow down and worship you. Our God is large enough to save us. Even if he doesn't, we will not worship you. And so Nebuchadnezzar has the furnace fired up even hotter to the extent that the dude throwing more coal and wood into the fire 
died of heat exposure. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into this fiery furnace. Fast forward, I don't know how many seconds or minutes, but Nebuchadnezzar's eyes got as big as planets. And he said, did we not throw three men into the furnace? Yes, O king, we did. And who is the fourth? It must be an angel of the Lord of hosts, the God that they worship. And so they were brought back out of the fiery furnace, and Nebuchadnezzar proclaimed that no one should ever speak against their God. You see, storms of life oftentimes are for others, and they're not about us at all, other than us being the hands and feet or the tools, the pass-through of God's grace, God's mercy, and God's love in our life. Storms are for you. Storms are for those around you. And I love this. This next point, number three, storms impact generationally. Did you catch that? That storms impact people generationally through you. Verse 33 says, he took, the, he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and right away he and all his family were baptized. And he brought them into his house and set a meal before them and rejoiced because he had believed God with his entire household. He was baptized at once. He and all his family, men and women, boys and girls, here today, if you have ears, hear the word of God. When God is working in your life and God brings or allows a trial to enter and you are facing a, a difficult situation, do not forget that this trial can can produce perseverance and endurance in your life. It can grow and strengthen you, even if God doesn't deliver you from it because he doesn't promise to deliver us from the trials of life. But he, he promises to walk through them with us. Ultimately, sometimes delivering us to the other side to his eternal glory. Scripture promises us for all those who believe to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. So I want us to remember that storms impact generationally as well. I really don't understand this whole generational uh, passing aspect that, that Scripture talks about. We know that, that Scripture tells us that sin can be passed from generation to generation, and the effects of sin can visit the third and fourth generations, Numbers 14 18 says, the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in faithful love, forgiving iniquity and rebellion, but he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing consequences of the father's iniquity on the children to the third and fourth generation. I don't completely understand that, but, but we do understand proclivities like alcoholism and drug addiction. If, if I decide that I'm going to abuse my body with alcohol and drugs and those things overtake me we know that that there even now can be some genetic uh, issues passed on that give others proclivity to the same struggles and the same sins that we have i also believe in generational righteousness we see it begin in genesis 12 where god was speaking to abram and calling him once now abraham to be the the father of many nations i'll bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you i will curse and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 
I believe that God uses storms in our life to grow us, to work in and through us, to create and build holiness if we submit and if we follow and if we surrender. And if we don't, those good things that God wants to use and do and develop in us and through us won't take place. But scripture tells us in Romans 8, 26 through 28, in the same way the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Because we don't know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groans. I was sharing this earlier. Verse 27 in Romans 8. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So I just want to leave you with three last takeaways. This like the rubber hits the road practical things, and I'm landing the plane. Promise. How do we respond when a trial comes? I want to challenge you. Make the Make the first question or the first prayer you pray to God be, God, is this storm a result of my sin? God, is this storm a result of my sin? Because if it is, there's a remedy for that. We can confess our sins to God and we can repent. That means to turn from our sins and to to walk in the light, to walk in God's path of righteousness. And sometimes God will allow storms to pass over and to end when we repent, when we relent from our sins. So first, God, is this storm a result of my sin too? If not, ask, God, what are you trying to do in and through me? God, what are you trying to do in and through me in the midst of this storm? And then number three, God, how can I bring you the most glory in this situation? I believe as we pray without ceasing, as 1 Thessalonians 5 says, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, not just the good, but the bad and the ugly too. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And as we begin to commune with God every single day in the good and the bad, I believe God will begin to work and move. And maybe your pray without ceasing prayer would just simply be this phrase, God, what's next? Before you make that next business phone call, God, what's next? In other words, how do you want to use me? Before you go to school every day, God, what's next? Before you make that next sale or that next deal, God, what's next? Before your next conversation, before your next commute with a coworker, God, what's next? And that will shift you in the mindset of reminding you that God has a plan for your life. God has a desire for you, and God wants to use you in that next moment. Not only... For our good, to build us up and build endurance, but for his glory. God, what's next? Father, we thank you for who you are and for what you've done, what you've promised, and God, what is to come. Because we know that you will never leave us and you will never forsake us. We know the plans you have for your children are to prosper and not to harm. And Father, that ultimately means your glory. Or someone struggling today through a storm, would you speak and work and move in their life? Reveal to them if it's a result of sinful behavior, Lord, or, or 
bad choices. And Lord, maybe you're doing something else. Father, I know as a parent, sometimes we hurt when others in our family aren't following you with their whole hearts. But Lord, we also want to lay down before you the struggles of others. Lord, we ask you to use us as well in those situations. Lord Jesus, may your kingdom come and your will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we sing this uh, last song, feel free. If you've got something you need to lay at the Lord's feet or someone you need to bring before the throne of God, um, you can come up front and kneel at the altar or stand. Uh, If you need someone to pray with, Pastor Allen and others would love to pray with you. But let's let God continue to work in our hearts as we worship him.